Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our free online workshops or join one of our online Bible studies. There are tons of times and options to choose from. Head to our website to register now at www.preceptministries.ca. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay updated on the many things God is doing through Preset Ministries. We want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts or another area of Preset Ministries Canada, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info at preceptministries.ca. We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth, a study on the book of Colossians. Hello, everyone. It's Mark Sheldrake here, Unlocking the Truth podcast. We're working through the book of Colossians, uh, week six in Colossians. I am so thankful for each and every one of you who are listening in each week. I'm so encouraged by the feedback that we're getting. Thank you so much. Thank you for those who have um, given to Preset Ministries in Canada through the podcast as well. Just uh, wonderful to see so many people engaged in the ministry in these difficult days. And uh, there's hope, folks. There is hope at the end of this. It looks like in different parts of the country, different uh, provinces are starting to open up and uh, get back to, I guess, you know, I've heard people say, don't call it a normal life, but get back to some routine. That's what I would like to kind of connect this as, is get back to some routine. And uh, boy, I've got to tell you, uh, yesterday I had the opportunity to do some traveling and uh go and record a sermon for a church. And that was the first time that I'd been uh, about 60 or 70 kilometers from my house. Oh my goodness, I haven't been an hour away from my house in over three months. And so, uh, so good to uh, have those opportunities. Uh, Really looking forward to what God has for us in this week's episode, let me commit our time to prayer and then we'll dig right into the scriptures. Father, we do uh, thank you for who you are. We thank you for the truth of your word. Father, we thank you that we can take time to uh, pause and reflect and, and meditate on your word and study it and engage with it. And Lord, willing that by the power of your Holy Spirit, be transformed by your word. That, Father, that is the ultimate desire, is that we would be people that would not be people of this world, but be people focused on you, um, living a life that shows that we are truly your children. And, Father, we need your word to be able to do that. We need your Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to show us the areas that we so desperately need Uh, correction in. So Father, use this uh, platform today to to use um, your words from your book to uh, transform lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we've been working through this book of Colossians and uh, we 
started with the introduction, we started knowing about the problems. And I just wanted to go back uh, a bit and just be, do a reminder that, you know, what we've come across and what we've come through is we've got this church in Colossae that Epaphras preached the gospel to and uh, they were transformed. And I can't remember if I mentioned this in the beginning, but I'll mention it now. It, there's indication that Epaphras was uh, in contact with Paul in the Ephesian church and heard the gospel when it was preached there and then took the gospel back to uh, Colossae and preached and then developed this church. This church was facing some opposition. Some of this opposition that was coming uh, was very knowledge-based. It was philosophies, it was traditions, it was legalism. Uh, it was the beginning of the development of what we now call Gnosticism was uh, taking shape. It wasn't Gnosticism back then when this church was was um, just coming together, but it was starting to take shape and titled uh, much later. We also know that from the previous week, uh, looking at last week, that there was some worship of angels that were taking place. These things that were done out of pride, people living for their own desires, um, visions that were coming, um, all pointing to these things in relation to uh, salvation. And so the idea was that um, you need to add these things to the gospel in order to truly be saved. But what Paul is doing in the book of Colossians, and it's going to be continued in our theme all the way through, is that it's the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ. We saw that right from the very beginning, that when he showed Jesus was uh, there at creation, in him, through thing, him, all things were created. We also saw that Jesus is the fullness of deity, that he is God. And so this becomes all very important as we begin to work through now because it's sort of like you've come to the crossroads of the book and now we're moving from warnings, okay, that those don't be deluded, the, um, the idea that don't be taken captive, don't be defrauded, and now what Paul is going to do, like he does in many letters, he fills with them with and starts with doctrine. He then tells you the warnings and the problems. And then he leaves you with how to live out that doctrine. And so that's what we're going to look at um, now, right until the end of the Colossians podcast is all going to be focused on instructions. So this week, uh, we have a short, small, four verses that we're going to look at um, and see what the instructions are in these four verses in, starting in chapter 3. So what we've got at the beginning of chapter 3, if you're following along. Now, I want to pause for a minute, and I know that there are so many people listening on many different uh, platforms, okay? So I know that there are people who are listening in their car. And I know that there might be people, hey, if you're listening to this and you're out doing exercise, amazing. All right? That's what I do. I listen to podcasts when I run and when I train for my Ironmans. And so I find that it's best way to sort of, hey, kill two birds with one stone. But now, if you're doing that, all right, I'm going to suggest maybe 
go back and listen to this episode one more time. But if you are sitting at home and you are sitting in, you know, in your armchair or wherever you're sitting, hey, maybe you're sitting out on your back deck enjoying the sunshine, whatever it may be, what I want you to do is I want you to grab a piece of paper and as we work through these verses together, I want to do a drawing. I want you to see something. I want you to have a vivid picture of what Paul is saying in the text. So if you've got your Bible, you've got a pen, you've got a paper, you're ready to go. If you're driving in your car, go back. Go back and just listen to or keep in your mind this picture and draw it out later because it is going to be a powerful drawing, not because I made it up, but is a powerful drawing that is going to give us a vivid mental picture of what Paul is telling us to do. All right, so here's where we're going to start. We're going to start verse uh, 1 of chapter 3. Therefore, uh, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So if you remember, okay, so therefore, uh, inductive Bible study students, therefore is a term of conclusion. That means you need to go back to the previous verses and you need to look at what is being concluded. So now what you've got, if you go back to verse 20 of chapter 2, you have, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why is it you were living in the world? Do not submit yourselves to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste. Um, that verse 20, we actually, if we want to go to the therefore, we need, need to keep going backwards because this first therefore that we have really summarizes the very fact that if you are a child of God, do not submit to the legalism that's all around you. All right, don't submit to the principles of the world. This is everything we talked about last week. So if you keep kicking backwards in chapter 2, you're eventually going to get to verse 16, which is another therefore, another term of conclusion. Uh, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are all the things that we've already talked about, these adding of the Gospels. The therefore that we want to go back to is we want to go back to all the way to the beginning of chapter 2, and we're just going to summarize here, okay? So here's what he says. Uh, in the end of chapter 1, he tells us that Christ is supreme. He's over all things. He's over creation. Remember I said in the beginning, in him and through him, all things are created. Then we're going to see that he is sufficient because the mystery and the knowledge of God, which is the mystery of Jesus Christ, has been revealed. That salvation only comes through Jesus Christ alone. That there's nothing that can be added to make us more righteous or to have a different or better salvation. The problem was in Colossians, they were selling secrets. They were selling these secrets that, hey, I've got a better way, a secret way for you to come to salvation. And you need this secret knowledge to ensure you are qualified to be partakers in the inheritance. Paul has said that's not the case. Jesus Christ is completely sufficient in the work that he did on the cross for you to partake in eternal life. And so what he says um, in verse 6, he says, Therefore, as you've received Christ, 
the Lord, so walk in him. Remember, we've looked at this already. This is all review. Back in chapter 1, verse 9 that uh, to 14, that was Paul's prayer, that you be filled with the knowledge and wisdom and understanding of God so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So the idea here is there's this identification with Jesus Christ, that that moment you realize that you needed your that you needed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because you were an enemy of God, that you were destined for wrath, that you were in sin, that you were going to be judged for that, that you needed Jesus Christ. You fell to your knees, you repented. However that transformation looks like for you, it's different for everybody. If you want to know how different it is, study the book of Acts. There's not one uh, kind of clear path of what that salvation process looks like. What we do know is that Jesus is at the center of salvation. In Acts, what I'm referring to is some you will see will receive the gift of tongues. Not everybody received the gift of tongues when they received the Holy Spirit. There were some who received the gift of tongues, some who didn't receive the gift of tongues. So what that looks like when the person is saved and the confirmation of their faith is that they receive the Holy Spirit. That's the common denominator, the work of Jesus on the cross and the receiving of the helper or the promised one that Jesus talked about. So when we identify with Jesus Christ, those are the things we have in common. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised and then he left and ascended into heaven, and we received the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit as believers upon that moment of profession of faith when we repent of our sin and ask Jesus to be Lord over our life. So, with that, what he's saying in verse 9, For in him the fullness of deity, this is chapter 2, dwells in the bodily form. In him you have been made complete. Jesus is sufficient. Okay, so remember, this is all the setup for the therefore. This is a long setup for the therefore, but this is the setup. That you've been made complete in Christ. He's the head over all. And then down in verse 12, you buried with him through baptism, raised up through faith, and just as God raised him from the dead. That's my summary of what Paul's saying there having been buried with him in baptism you identify with him remember we went through uh, how circumcision was identifying with God's people in Israel the same as baptism is identifying with Jesus so now if you go to chapter 3 verse 1 we're coming out of the setup ready he says therefore if you've been raised up with Christ, that means identified with him. That means you were buried with him, that you were raised up with him through the waters of baptism, that you repented of your sin, you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is what he says. He says, if that is you, if you are a true child of God, if you are saved, if the Holy Spirit is working within you, Keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So it's very interesting. You know, I've already brought up Acts, and we could go there. We could go to Acts chapter 1 for a minute. And when we look at Acts chapter 1, we're going to see uh, what happens uh, with Jesus after his resurrection. So in Acts chapter 1, all the disciples 
Here we go. Um, let me just turn to it. He says, um, this is the first account I composed, Theophilus, chapter 1, verse 1, that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. He had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive after his suffering by convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking to them concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait uh, for what the Father had promised, which he said, uh, you had heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Uh, go to Jerusalem after I leave and wait for the Holy Spirit. This is what happens in Acts chapter 2. Um, what we've got here is we want to look at verse 9. So Acts chapter 1, verse 9, after he said all these things, these things, you will be my witnesses, you will take the gospel throughout all of the earth. After you had said these things, he lifted up, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently in the sky, um, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them, they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way you have watched him go into heaven. So the process is complete. Jesus came to earth. Jesus died for our sins. He was resurrected and he ascended into heaven. And so now what Paul is saying is that's where he is. Uh, Jesus tells us, what he's doing there. In John chapter 14, I have gone to prepare a place for you, for my Father's house has many rooms. And so that's the purpose. He's gone on before us. Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. But God, being rich in his mercy because of his great love, which with he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, this is absolutely amazing. I love Ephesians chapter 2. I refer to it all the time. I was saying just yesterday that I think the greatest contrast in Scripture is found in Ephesians chapter 2. But what we learn here is that Jesus, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Hebrews tells us that he sits at the right hand and mediates on our behalf. So he is present there, but I love Ephesians because it puts us with him. It says that believers are seated at the right hand of Jesus, at the right hand of the throne in the heavenly places. And so what we've got here is we have a fact. The facts are that, one, if you identify with Christ, if you are a child of God, then you are to seek the things above. Now, who's above? All right? So what Paul is saying is the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ. So now that Jesus Christ is not on earth anymore, you have to look up because that's where he is. You need to focus on Jesus because he is in heaven. You've not taken your eyes off Jesus the entire time. He is at the center of everything. And now that he's at the right hand of the Father, that's where we should be looking.
So if you are drawing a picture with me, all right, this is the first thing you want to do. You want to draw the best stick figure you possibly can. You're probably thinking to yourself, I have no idea how to do that. What you want to do is, um, I try to do it in a side view, but it might not work that well. So draw a stick figure, but you want to make their eyes looking up. And so as they're looking up, you want to draw somewhere else on that piece of paper, uh, just a line across the top of the page, leaving room for you to draw something else. So the person, the stick figure, is looking up to the line and above. Above the line, draw a throne. And on that throne, you can put God. And at the right hand of that throne, you are going to put Jesus. So you could draw another stick figure. Label them if you want to help you better understand. So uh, you can put on the line the heavens that you can put uh, on the throne, God, and the stick figure beside Jesus. That stick figure down below, if you want, and you don't want your stick figure to be floating in the air on that paper, draw a line underneath. Put them on the ground and call that line Earth. And so now, here, just let me describe this to you one more time. A line on the bottom with a stick figure standing. The person is standing on Earth. Their eyes are looking up. And their eyes are focused on Jesus, who is sitting at the right hand of God, who is sitting on the throne. This is what Paul is telling us in verse 1. If you identify with Christ, if you've been raised up with him, uh, you need to seek the things above. Why? Because Jesus is there. Uh, verse 2 tells us, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. So do you see it? When you look at that picture and you see the eyes and they're focused on Jesus, uh, he means to set or gaze or look or stare. Uh, don't take your eyes off it. Uh, I can't help but think about the gospel story of Jesus walking on the water. As the storm was approaching and the disciples were out in the boat all by themselves, uh, that this is the second time in, in the gospel of Mark we see a storm. Uh, these disciples, the storm had to be bad. These guys were fishermen. They were out there all the time. But the very fact that the water was raging and they were so much afraid that when Jesus came, they thought he was a ghost. The most interesting part of that passage in the Gospel of Mark is that the disciples, they don't recognize Jesus' face, but they recognize his voice. And when he speaks to them, Peter says, if it's you, call me out onto the water. And Peter, with his eyes fixed on Jesus, who's standing right in front of them, steps out on the water and momentarily is walking on water. I mean, how cool would that be? I mean, there was a time when I tried to do some paddle boarding, you know, where you're standing up on the board and you're in the water, and some boats were starting to come around me and they were causing some waves, 
and I began to look at the waves and, and began to falter in my balance. And before you know it, the waves took me right off the paddleboard. There I was in the lake. It was quite refreshing, actually, but Peter is the same way. He was staring at Jesus. I can picture it in my mind. I wasn't there, obviously, but I could picture in my mind that Peter is staring right into Jesus' eyes as Jesus calls him out on the water. And as he walks on the water and he knows that the storm is still going around him, he looks to the left and he looks to the right and he took his eyes off Jesus and the first thing he did was he plunged into the water. And he began to cry out to Jesus to save him. And Mark uses the most phenomenal words. And he says, immediately Jesus reached out and saved him. Uh, with Jesus now being on, in heaven, seated at the right hand of God, uh, Paul tells us, keep your eye on Jesus. Fix your eyes and gaze on him. Don't be focused on the things of the earth. I mean, this is such a powerful thing, but how do we do that? How do we focus? How do we keep our mind and our thoughts and our eyes fixed on Jesus? Well, there's no better way. So glad you're listening to this podcast because this might just sound for a moment like an advertisement. Hey, if you're in the word of God and you're studying the scriptures, if you're engaging in God's word, you're reasoning the scripture, you're observing it, you're interpreting it, you're applying it, you're creating a hunger and a desire to be in God's word, I guarantee you, the more time you spend in God's word, the more your focus becomes on the things above. Think about the things that will draw us away. The things that will pull us away from focusing on him. Grief. Money. A pandemic. What's going to happen tomorrow? I distinctly remember Jesus saying when it came to things like money, don't worry about tomorrow for a day has for today has enough problems of its own that if jesus so cares for the little sparrow he'll even care more for you set your mind on the things above you see the things of the earth they distract us and they pull us away from keeping our mind set on him but the instruction is clear this is an instruction we are to set our mind on Jesus. Keep our focus there. Uh, I love Peter in Second Peter. He says, uh, look for and hasten the coming day of Jesus Christ. Uh, I've looked at these passages before, but um, you want to uh, go do a study of the word hasten. It'd be very interesting for you. Uh, but he says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, since you look for the new heavens and the new earth to be 
be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. So as we look towards him, this is called spiritual growth. That as we grow spiritually, as we mature in our faith, as we go through the process of sanctification, as we become more and more like Jesus, I think our gaze becomes even stronger on him. That the things of the world don't affect us the way that it would affect others. Maybe those who have their eyes focused on the world, we saw what they were doing in the midst of a pandemic. It's all about self-preservation. All about getting what I can to have it in place to take care of myself. Focusing on the things above. It's about what can we do for others in a difficult time like that in the pandemic. Setting our mind on things above, it's going to change everything. It's going to help us with things like self-control, perseverance, endurance. It's going to help us to look at the garbage that we have in our life and cut it out because we have our eyes focused on the pursuit of Jesus and nothing is going to get in our way. Last year I had a friend of mine, and he was running his very first marathon. He'd never run a marathon before. He'd never run more than 23 kilometers in one of his longer runs in training. And he started to go out into this race, and I helped him run for the first 12 kilometers. I paced him and made sure he went at the right pace so that he could finish, and he could finish the race well. Is a very different uh, perspective for me than I've had in the past because I'm usually the one racing. But what I did was I, I paced him up until about 15 kilometers and then I went towards the finish line because I only did 21 kilometers and he still had another 21.2 kilometers to go. I saw him at the 38 kilometer mark the last possible place you could see him before hitting the finish line. He was running, and he was running strong, and his eyes were kept focused ahead. I was screaming and yelling his name, Caleb, way to go, buddy. Look over here, give me five, you know, just something to encourage him to get through. But the gaze he had forward, his brain, he was mentally locked in. He wasn't looking to the left or to the right. He had one focus, and that focus was the finish line ahead. He never looked to the right nor to the left. His father started running with him. He started, his father started talking to him, and Caleb never said a word. He just focused on the finish line, and he grinded his way through, and he crossed the finish line, and they put the medal around his neck, and then he finally clicked out of this gaze that he had, and he said, Guys, I didn't think I was going to finish that race. My body ached. My knees were sore. My feet were sore. It was hot. I was sweating. I felt like I was dehydrated. And so I just had to lock in. I had to lock in and focus on the finish line. That's what Paul is telling these people to do. Hey, 
you've got all of this garbage, this legalism, this worship of angels, this, you know, personal um, kind of divisive teaching and visions and all of this stuff that's going to be thrown at you from the right and the left. You're going to get false teachers. You're going to get people to come up and tell you that the way you're living is not a righteous way of living and you should be eating this and you should be drinking that and you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. And you know what? It's going to rock you. It's going to rock you from each side like those waves were rocking Peter. And what he says is he says, focus on above. Focus on the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus and let nothing affect you. Lock your eyes in like Caleb locked his eyes in. That's what Paul is telling us in the very first instruction in chapter 3. Uh, let's continue on and, and see what else he has to say regarding this. Uh, one of the ways that we ensure that we focus and set our mind on things is to remember who we are and where we are in Jesus. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, is who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Uh, therefore, another term of conclusion. All right, so get ready. Grab your pen because now we're going to add to the drawing. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So what I want you to do is on that drawing, I want you to start drawing some things that can come into the right or to the left. All right, so, so Paul gives us some of these in verse 5. Um, immorality, impurity. Write them down. Write the words down that are found in those verses. Impurity, passion, evil desire. Our next podcast, we're going to look a lot closer at each of these. Uh, evil desire, greed. Hey, go ahead, draw some dollar signs on that picture. Have them surrounding the, pers- the stick man that's on earth. Anything that might be considered a distraction. Hey, write idols on there. Anything around you that you could see that would come in from, from you know, earthly, worldly teaching that might affect that foundation, that rock that you are on, that might rattle you a bit. Those are the things that should be all around you in that drawing. But as you've got that all drawn out, look at the eyes. Where are the eyes? The eyes are focused on Jesus. They're not focused on anything else. Notice how those eyes in that drawing are not focused on greed, immorality, impurity, evil desire. None of those things. They're not focused on money. They're not focused on wealth and power and whatever it is that you've written down there. No, they're focused on Jesus. Why? Because all of those things that surround you are to be considered dead, useless, useless, idle, empty, nothing incomparable to the sufficiency of Jesus. So what you've got here 
in this first instruction is this, focus. Where is your focus? Is it focused on God? Is it focused on Jesus who is at the right hand? Are you focusing on things like the deeds of the flesh? Let me just give you some more of these deeds of the flesh. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 16 to 25. Uh, you want to write some more down in your drawing? Uh, Galatians chapter 5, 16 to 25. Uh, but I say I will walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. For the, the flesh sets a desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For they are in opposition to one another, so that you may not be uh, do these things as you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The deeds of the flesh are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, things like these of which I forewarned you and warned you that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, go back to Galatians and just write all of those things down. Uh, what Paul's telling us is you've got to get rid of them. They need to be gone. You're a new creature in Jesus Christ. You've been raised with him. Therefore, everything that you had in your life before Jesus should be gone, should be dead. They should not be your focus. Your focus should be on Jesus. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Another um, verse to help us understand what Paul is telling us uh, in that therefore of put those things to death. So Romans 13, 14 says, says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. 1 Corinthians 6.18 tells us, flee immorality. Every other sin that man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Um, run. Run from immorality. Uh, I love 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 21 22. Uh, this would be a great time to pause, and uh, Lord willing, you'll join us for the First Thessalonians podcast that'll be coming up starting after the Canada Day long weekend. We'll go every week through the summer through uh, Thessalonians. Chapter 5, 21-22. Uh, Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good, and abstain from every form of evil. Uh, because we are new Christians, we are new creatures in Jesus Christ, we are to put off the deeds of the flesh. We're to get rid of them. We're to cut them out. We're to make them uh, go away. We're to keep our eyes focused on the things above. Here's why. Because it's because of these things, these deeds of the flesh, that the wrath of God will come upon us and come upon the sons of disobedience. You once walked in them when you were living in them, but now you don't. And we'll look closer at that, that next week. But here, let's, let's kind of bring this to an end here. This is our focus for this week. Set your mind on the things above. Focus on Jesus. He is supreme. He's greater than all. Study the book of Hebrews. 
Jesus is better than. He is sufficient. He's all you need. So keep your eyes focused on him. I just love the end of these verses. I'll read them one more time to you. For if you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, you will also be revealed with him in glory. Uh, We're talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, Revelation 19. Yesterday I had a conversation with somebody about Revelation 19 and the coming of Jesus Christ, uh, coming on a white horse out of the clouds. Acts tells us that those angels, they told the, the apostles that Jesus would return the same way he left. That means as he ascended, he will descend. I thought to myself as people were panicking in this pandemic and they were wondering if this was the end of the world and the judgment of God, that the panic that ensued... I still cannot figure out why everybody started running for toilet paper. Of all the things that people were trying to get, it was toilet paper. Uh, The other thing, if you want to know where our world is at right now, the other thing that people were running for was hair dye. Wow. But the panic that ensued. The, the empty shelves, the grocery lines, all this stuff that's happened from this pandemic. You know, the bickering and the fighting over when things should open and when things shouldn't open and what's going on with this and what's going on with that. We're all waiting on, on man and, you know, is this the judgment of God? I mean, I've heard it all. But I know one who has their eyes set on the things above. Could you imagine what our world would look like if the heavens opened up and Jesus on the white horse came out of the clouds back to earth. Lord willing, I hope there are two responses to that. One, that the Christian who has his eyes set on the things above will be so fired up and dancing around and praising and singing at the coming of the Lord that as he gets closer, they fall to their knees at the feet of Jesus and praise. Look that up in Revelation chapter 5. At his presence they sang, Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord Almighty. That's one response. That's the response that we hope that will come from all Christians when they look up. That Christians won't be in fear when the clouds open up and Jesus returns. Why? Because we've been looking for it the whole time. Uh, The panic will come from those who don't know Jesus. And the panic that we saw in this pandemic will have no comparison to when Jesus comes. So we have a twofold thing that we need to do. One, we need to be people who set our minds on things above, but we also need to be active in sharing the gospel with those so they can share in the joy, to share in the glory 
that is going to be revealed when he returns. So when we keep our eyes above, man, we're looking for Jesus. We're looking to him and we're looking for him. We're thankful that he died on the cross for us. That he's at the right hand of the Father mediating on our behalf. And yet, we're also looking for his return. Man, I would love to see that happen in my lifetime. I don't know if it will. Nobody knows the day and the hour, but I would love to see it. I would love to see Jesus come back and reclaim his creation. That's what your attitude should be too. Set your mind on things above. Look to Jesus. Why? Because he is supreme and he is sufficient. Father, we do thank you for the time that you have given us today. Father, I pray for every single person who is listening to this, the people who have drawn out that picture, that they see that little stick figure with their eyes focused up. That they're not focused on all the deeds of the flesh and the sins that surround them. Their eyes are on you. Father, we know that those sins will continue to come back, come at us until this time that Satan is cast into the fire. His greatest desire is to draw people away from you. To draw people into sin draw them into the things of the world. Father, help us by the power of your spirit to keep focused on the things above. Give us a hunger for you, a hunger for your word, a hunger that is greater than anything that the world could ever offer. Father, as we end our time together, would you work in the hearts of each and every individual? Cause them to evaluate the things that are in their life, the things that are on that drawing, and to remove them from their life, to remove any distraction that withholds them from keeping their eyes set a gaze on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Preset Ministries, head to our website at www.presetministries.ca.